it's funny. We're getting to we're getting to the last days of the morning. On the really the last two days, last day of the morning for the Talmudim of Rabbi Kiva. So we're thinking there are different aspects to think about, but there was something called the yeshiva of Rabbi Kiva. Rabbi Kiva's yeshiva, and Rabbi Kiva's yeshiva was was a place that became his new yeshiva. He started with his five Talmidim, part of the Messiah of Torah. So one, you think about a number of topics and thinking about Talmud Rabbi Kiva, but you think about Chaverim. A big part of the Sogya, Shalai Nagu that they didn't have respect for each other. The tendency of a group of Talmidim is to focus on the Rebbe. I can only picture all the Talmidim, Rebbe, what does Rebbe hold, what does Rebbe say? And I could just picture that they forgot about each other. It's interesting, in the presence of the great Rebbe Kiva, what, I don't know the story. We're not given much by Chazal. It's very cryptic. Somewhere they weren't knowing the proper covered. It, Chazal don't really tell us what caused it, what happened. But I can only imagine, and again, I, it's, these are great, great giants. And understand it was Gzairus Hashem. And understand they were judged to put it's like, oh, they, were no, they weren't no Yikava, that's why such a Chorban. We don't understand all the ways. Mishpatecha Tohim Rabbah. The Mishpat of Hashem is out of our league. It's a Tohim Rabbah. We don't fully understand Zeris Hashem. But there's something we can pull out of it. There's a lesson. And there was a lesson that Hashem made that we were taught by Chazal that part of the Gzairah and Hashemayim was Lainagul Kavay Zelazeh. Trust me, if a normal person would not be noy covered, would not get the einish they got. These were giants and greats, and they got an einish begeder v'sviva v'nisaramayid. Those that are close to Hashem have a different type of cheshbon, and it's not fully in our comprehension. We know Hashem loves them. We know they're rewarded forever. In Shamayim, there are amazing chevra, Talmidi Rebbe Kiva, great chevra and great rewards for eternity. Hashem has cheshbainus. But what we learned is to be not covered for each other, to appreciate a chaver. So I just want to say that it's a schos. My chaver, somebody that I grew up with. So I remember Friday nights, we would eat chalim together, shmooze together, maybe even learn a little together on Friday nights. Oh, we learned Gittin Six Perk, a beautiful Perk, gorgeous Perk, the Six Perk of Gittin, even to learn Torah together. We did learn, we did learn. I meant Friday night specifically. But we schmoozed together, we talked about Yerushalayim together. Chaverim and the growth we have, to me it's posh, you look back on your life, the Chaverim that you grew together with are, are big part, very important pieces of our life. When two people are... are this casual relationship, they play ball together, they just hack around, okay, that's cute. Two guys in yeshiva together that share an experience of growing at a time in our life we're forming rebbeim, forming, I always remember something about Rav Hanan, and he's somebody who's a tremendous ben Torah, a magad shir, he gives shiurim and is a successful magad shir, Talmud Chacham, but one of the great marks if you want to know who's going to be successful later on, there's a litmus test that you could check this out. I, I see it in yeshiva. Sometimes we'll have a tough 10th grader. and People say they're so worried about him. And if I see this, I'm very enthused. It's a very good litmus test. Rev Hanan always had a tremendous love of Rabbi Brown. Rabbi Brown's a Talmud Chacham Muflag. 
is a wild Talmud Chacham and a tzaddik. And Rav Hanan, my chaver, always had a certain awe, like a tremendous awe of Rai Brown, because he was machshiv Torah. There was a certain respect for Torah, a respect for Avodah Hashem. And when other youngsters, Rai Brown was somebody, it wasn't Mr. Shmuzi, he was a warm person, but it wasn't like somebody you easily got in. Rav Hanan always, of my whole chaver, had a certain, a certain cover to Rai Brown. And you see a person who's a Talmud Chacham and giving shiurim today, uh, uh, we're speaking a lot, we're preparing for Torah. Kavadat Torah is a big deal. One of the things that all of us should think about, it's funny, we had a seam in the Beis Medrash yesterday. One of our commitments headed to Kabbalah Satayra is more Kavadat Torah. If you see two friends learning, don't interrupt, they're middle learning, Kavadat Torah. Don't it, see two guys, you want to go tell a good joke, you want to pat one guy in the back, catch yourself and say, say to yourself, but even speak it out, they're learning Torah and walk away. It's a very important Kavadat Torah. Kavadat Torah in some ways trumps Limadat Torah. Respecting Torah in some ways trumps Limadat Torah. Kavadat Torah is huge. We're in a yeshiva that speaks a lot about respect. And the sogi of what you give covered, a lot of the story on earth is what do you respect? What do you give what value to? What this is, this is supreme value. What comes before what? Most of the study of Torah is what, what's called what? What's the Raisa? What's the Rabbana? What's a Minag? What has Kedima to what? Tadir Vishenoi Tadir. What do I put before what? It's funny, the world's not a place of good and bad things. If Hashem made it, it's full of good and good things. Just knowing where to put what and what is what value, what is what order. It's interesting, Rav Yaakov Shweki spoke this morning and described, I have my career, but I won't go somewhere for Shabbos family time. I can make a lot of money, give a lot of tzedakah. My family first. He's weighing what comes before what. All of the limadat Torah we do, all of the steiging is a system of developing what has what value, what comes before what. And when I lead my life to put things in their proper place, to give the proper chashivas to each thing in its right place and its right order. So I want to say this, Rav Hanan, amongst many things, these two points I want to make, that he was a Maiki Rabbanan, he always was somebody who had a tremendous covet for Talmud Chamim. I saw it in the way he respected our Rebbe Rai Brown. And the second thing I want to tell you is never undervalue a chaver, a friend. You will have friendships. It's interesting that for many years we weren't zayichah to be in touch. Hanan learned in the yeshiva. And then we weren't in touch for many years. We're both busy people and we weren't in touch. Till Shloyme came in. I got to become close to Shloyme and through that. He was mezakimi to get back in touch with Hanan. And I want to say that you have chaverim that you might not be in touch. Halavai, you stay in touch. Do a better job than me and staying in touch is wonderful. But I want you to know that two chaverim who grew together in yeshiva is eternal. It's not, these are not fleeting things. Oh, an old friend. I have a chavrusa, if Hanan knows, I learned with for six years. I haven't spoken to him in years. And it used to be we spoke like once a year. I've gotten a few letters from him. I stand when I read his letters. Rav Hanan knows this Chavrez, Yerushim. He's from the biggest Masmidim in the world. I say that not exaggerating. He's from the biggest Masmidim in the world. And I was Zaycha for six years to learn with him. It's not fleeting. I know we're going to be together in Eilam Abba for eternity. 
life's busy and I, I'm not giving excuses. I should call him or I should visit him where there are times I think of visiting, I don't want to interrupt his learning. The other times I just, I'm wrong. I should go visit him and maybe I'll push myself. I always have this thought of taking off in the summer of Hanan. I spoke to my wife recently, maybe for a month, and just going to learn him, telling all his chavrus, his cold to I knew him first. And he gives me three star a day and learn for a month. I have such a thought. Maybe I'll say it. I'm, I don't want to be begedder. It's a thought of mine. But I want to say that a chaver that you connected with and grew with is eternal. Right? Farkas has told guys in the past who are close to him that get used to me. We learn together. You're going to be with me in Eilam There's not a hundred year friendship. This is a million years and we're just going to start our friendship. We shtayk together. They're gemaras. This is not, you don't have to know Kabbalah. They're gemaras that friends in Eilam hang out. They talk together, they have conversations. I don't know how it works, I've never been there. But in, in Olam Abba, there's Gishmak, friends, spend, real friends who grew together. There's a Kesher that's real. A, t- a friend is called a Chaver. Chiber means connection. Chazala, very not short-sighted. You're not connected because for four blinks you're connected. They mean it's a connection for eternity. That there's somebody that you're connected to, you grew together. Chaverim are deep. They're not just somebody who was once in my life. That's a friend who you didn't grow together, you fell together. That's like fleeting. But most chaverim are not like that. Most chaverim who in a period in our life were there as a source of chizuk, encouragement, as we were progressing, were part of our progression, is something eternal. It's interesting that when Shloyma came to Yeshiva, I love Shloyma, and I got right back, we're like back, like we're eating chalm together again on Friday nights. Like you get back fast because there was something real. We were two youngsters, wide-eyed, thinking about growing, caring about Rebbeim, really excited about the prospects of growing, and Chaveirim, that you care about growing together and you're on the journey of growing, they're, they're eternal. It's not a fleeting thing. If you're to stay in touch, Ashrechem, you're not. You click back in fast because you sense what we were part of is lasting. It was something important. We sit together at a, we sit together here and we're going to share some divrei Torah. My Rebbe was a big part of my excitement for learning. A lot of what, I, what attracts me in learning is from my Rebbe. And that was at periods when I was with Reb Hanan and we were together growing and learning from Rebbeim, each one picking our Rebbeim. And different people, it's interesting, we have different Rebbeim specifically that we were drawn to, and each one of us find that Rebbe, but the Chaverim that are there, that are supporting us at that beautiful time in our life, it's eternal, it's not, it's not a fleeting thing. We have an eternal life. We have something we're pursuing that's not temporary. A connection to the infinite is infinite. And, and just the, the chaveirim that are there at that important time. I'm thinking a lot the 12th grade is going to split soon. It's very painful. It's very painful. It starts hitting guys at different times. Maishi is the first 12th grader who's gotten emotional that I could see about it because he's seen parting before. He was here last year, part of the 12th grade. See, he knows what's coming. To other guys, it's a idea intellectually, emotionally, they're not leaving. Even though in six weeks we graduate, but that's intellectual. The average guy emotionally hops two weeks before, some one week before, some the day after it happens. Hops at different times, but still, I remember walking home from Yeshif Rakhra, I remember where I was in Elvira, the day after this man walking home and sensing that this Chabura that I grew up with, we were together from three years old, and we had just graduated 12th grade, I sensed we were parting. 
I sensed we were, we were parting, and there was a prayer that I sensed it walking home, and it hit me real. I remember where I was standing on Elvira, near the Kilsons' house. They, wasn't, they weren't there, they didn't live there, but where they live now, I was turning the corner on Elvira, and it dawned on me, I was one of the slow guys, the day after this man, I had my chevra that had been together for so many years, there was a parting. But I want to say it's eternal, it's eternal. It's interesting, the... If you think what I'm saying is like far-fetched, it's just the Ramban, Hever. It's the Ramban. The Ramban says not to cry too hard when somebody passes on. Because you're children of Hashem. And all the Rishonim ask, what sh- your children of Hashem don't cry, somebody was nifter. <laughs> what shaykhus? The Ramban says it means you're connected to Hashem, means you're going to be together. There's eternity. That's what it means. You're children of the infinite. It means you have shaykhs to eternity. So it means don't cry so much. It's only a temporary parting. That's what the Ramban says is the translation. Don't overly grieve. A parting, it's only temporary. Our friend, Rav Hanan and I's friend, Rav Dave Kilson Shlita, is a, is a tremendously tiredic a person, a ventire. somebody who's been learning for years with a deep connection to Tyra. His barber... He was, his barber was a guy and was moving. And he felt he got one last haircut from his barber. His barber was retiring. And he brought his barber a gift, a parting gift. Then he went to his car and he was bawling. He couldn't console himself. He was bawling. And it hit him like he's crying for his barber. It was a nice barber. What is he? He happed that I'd never left somebody that I felt I wasn't going to see again. Most people I leave, I'll see in Oilum Abba. And this person, I don't I'm not committed. A guy has He's not getting where Reb Kilson is. Trust me. So he said, I don't think I'm going to ever see him again. I, the parting is eternal. He was bawling in his car. is an eternal parting. It's the Velt says a Rebbe It doesn't matter if it's true or not. Because this, the Rebbe story is the lesson that a great Rebbe is being nifter. And before he departs, this great Rebbe, he... Um, this great Rebbe, before he departs, it, it's very moving to me, because the guys know in Gedolim books, I'm very interested on the day of death of Gedolim. And this great Rebbe's departing, and he asked to see a certain Ganev in the town. And where the Rebbe puts his last few minutes on earth is a big deal. Who gets it? Does his wife get the time? Does his sons do his Talmidim? There's a fascinating study on Tzadikim, who gets their last few minutes on this earth? Fascinating study. What they're doing in the last few minutes on earth. Rabbi Yisrael Salanter was next to a Yid who was standing next to him. Who Rabbi Yisrael, the last moments on this earth, was telling him, when I die, so you're going to be next to my dead body. I want you to know that dead bodies move sometime. Don't get scared. Rabbi Yisrael spent the last few seconds on this earth calming the guy next to him and explaining to him when my body moves dead, so you shouldn't get scared. Dead bodies move. My nisham is in the don't get any nervous. That's just, he explained, like, scientifically, that happens. There's nothing to be afraid of. <laughs> That's Rabbi Yisrael's, So the last moments of tzaddikim are very moving. The last moments of the life of this Rebbe, he asked to see a Ganev. So he said, Rebbe, Rebbe, this guy's a Ganev. Like, what does he get your time for? So the Rebbe said, I'll tell you the truth. All of you Hasidim I'll be with in a few minutes. A few minutes. By the way, for a mace, a big tzaddik told me over Pesach, there's no zman for a mace. There's no time. Time is a worldly invention. So for the mace in Oilam I'll be with them. There's no time. 
So I'll be with them right away. He's with his Talmud. The mace goes to Shemaim. He's back with his Talmudim. It's us who are missing the mace. The mace doesn't. The mace gets with the people they love. There's no Zman in Shemaim. Now, a lot of you are going to wake up middle of the night. Ah, trust me. <laughs> we all could get very dizzy from that. By a mace, there's no. A, a Talmud Chacham told me this, told me this in over Pesach, and it answered a cash of mine. I had a bomb cash I didn't understand, and a Talmud Chacham told me this, this Pesach, a big Talmud Chacham told me there's no time in Shemayim, time's a worldly invention. So he said the mace goes to Shemayim, there's no, there's no time. So the mace is, it answered a cash, I'm going to forget where I was going, but that Rebbe, just to finish, then I'll tell you what it answered, that Rebbe said, I'm spending time with the Ganev, because I don't know if I'm going to see him again, no Lomabu. And the rest of you, I'll see, in, I'll see in a few minutes. That's what the Rebbe said. Of course, the Ghana finished the story, does Chuva and joined the Rebbe in Eilam Abba, and it's due time. But, um, but this, this, this point, this point, Rabbi Isaiah, of Chaveirim, of the importance of Chaveirim, of the eternal meaning of Chaveirim, is very, very important. I, I want to, it, it's glad a good segue, and, and then we'll get to what we're supposed to study today. But Rav Hanan, seeing an old friend here is making me nostalgic and making me think about Hevra and friendships. I want to say that for me, after Dani and Eli were nifter, so I had a tefillah to Hashem. I wanted to see that they're happy. That was a thing of mine. Show me Hashem, they're happy. I felt both were growing people. And I begged and begged, I davened to Hashem repeatedly. Show me they're happy, show me they're happy. I want to see. So I didn't get a yes. We could ask the things. Hashem says yes sometimes. Mechatesi, you're worthy of seeing. See, Mechatesi. And I didn't get a yes. A, a long time after they were in Ifter, and it coincided, I believe Danny's birthday is on Pesach. One of their birthdays, I believe Danny's is on Pesach, his birthday. But that neither here nor there. On Pesach, I had a story that I felt I did something that maybe w- w- deserves a schus. I did something hard on a Pesach, and I thought maybe it was that schus. It was not, I, I, I don't believe at that period I was davening for this, to see they're happy. I that hadn't davened in a little while for that. And only one time in my life did I dream that I, I had a real dream. I, it was different than any dream I've had before in my life or after. And I saw Dani and Eli, Hashem showed me. It was, it was a Pesach night, something had happened that day, and maybe it was a schos, and Hashem showed me. Now they were sitting at a shear that was connected to yeshiva. That's, I saw, I woke my wife up, I was shaking. I saw Daniel, la- and they both were laughing. They both were laughing. I was not on my mind, not in that period, not for a couple of months. It was not on my mind. They had no shaykhs to anything. And I, had, I was zaycheh to a dream I'd never before dreamt, never after something that I felt was a dream that was real. It's not some, an experience. Somebody said, how do you know it wasn't a dream? Like it's, it just, if, you, if I'm walking here now, how do I know this is not a dream? It just wasn't. Just, we, know, we all know what's dreaming and what's something different. And I saw something different. I saw them in a sheer laughing. It was very interesting to me. They were sheer in the yeshiva. And I was confused by that till this Pesach. I heard this speech about time. I understood more. It was very confusing. They were in a sheer that was connected to yeshiva. It was confusing. It is true. Eli's father was nifter this year. And his father was a very practical, not a, didn't believe in superstitious stuff, was a very practical, to convince him something, it, he was a very logical, Ellie came to him in a dream. 
and said that I come to the davenings in yeshiva. That's what Eli told him. He said, if you don't believe me, he said to his father, go ask the Chazanim, which was Chaim Berlin's menag. We don't keep it as strong. Rai Oberlander was here. We kept it stronger. He said, the Chazanim don't wear a hat. They put the talus over the head. Chaim Berlin, even if you're wearing a hat, you take it off, put the talus. And he told his father, his father called me, said, do the Chazanim in Yeshiva wear the talus over their head? He said, yeah. He said, oh, because Eli came to me and told me that. And he said, I daven in Yeshiva, that they let me come to the Tfilis in Yeshiva. That's what he said. So, so I'm talking about Shaft and Olam Abba and eternity. These are real things. These are real, real things. It's an honor to have an old friend, an old chaver that I grew. I want to welcome Rev Hanan and thank him for being here. Let's together, let's learn. There's a Gemara that really I wait every year, Lag Ba'imer, to learn with the chaver. Ha'avim Kalkelas Sashurim. I love this Gemara and I just can't wait. We have to start the echoes. We have to start. Lag Weimer is a day that I didn't learn a lot about from my Rebbeim. It's a very Kabbalistic day. In Yeshiva, I must say, we were not taught a lot about Lag Weimer. And I'm reluctant to do things different than my Rebbeim because they taught us things. Lag Weimer, it's interesting. There was a Chesidish Rebbe down the block I liked a lot. I had a personal love for him. He was called the Solitzer Rebbe. He was a beautiful Yedah Talmud Chacham Mufling. And I liked the Solitzer Rebbe. He was a beautiful, and my Rebbe liked him a lot as well. My father likes him a lot as well. He's in Olam Abba, a beautiful person, the Solitzer Rebbe. So Talmud Chacham and a tzaddik, a wonderful Yid. And you went to the, like Hasidim had Lag Weimer. And you went to the Solitzer, and he had like a matzav. He had a madura. He had a fire and had a matzah. In Eretz Yisrael, Lag Ba'imer is a very big deal. In America, it wasn't such a big deal. In Yeshiva, Lamasha, we won't have a Madura tomorrow. There'll be no fires and don't light any fires, not anybody, anybody. It's not what I had in Yeshiva. I tried to, we do what we did in Yeshiva. It wasn't what we had in Yeshiva. We'll have music, we'll sing, we always sing. We sing every day. And certainly, I want to tell you what Lag Ba'imer, it's the yard site of Rav Shem Bar Yochai. And there's a Gemara Shabbos, Lamed Gimel, Lamed Beis. And this Nekuda, this Nekuda is, um, this Nekuda is, is a huge Nekuda, what connects me to Lag Ba'imer. There's, there's a eulogy on Rosh Hashim Bar Yochai that we sing, the Bar Yochai eulogy, the Hespid, that a Yid wrote, Reb Shemin Ibn Levi penned this eulogy, all of Klal Yisrael sings, the famous Bar Yochai song, and the eulogy was penned by somebody, Rav Shem Ibn Levi. And the eulogy of Rav Shem Bar Yechai that's penned, there's one stanza that we sing in Yeshiva for hours. Hopefully we'll sing it most of the night, tomorrow night, then all day Friday, all day Shabbos. Because I feel like a big part of this Yeshiva was built on this speech about Rav Shem Bar Yechai. I'd like to learn the Gemara with the Chevra. That's a little bit of a backdrop to the eulogy, who Rav Shem Bar Yechai was on his yard site. So let's study a little bit. The Gemara, of course, amazingly, is on his yard site, is on lot, is the 33rd day of the Omer. And of course, the Gemara in Shabbos, Nandaf Lamed Gimel, amazingly, the Gemara of the story of Shem Bar Yechai, who was Nifter on Lag Boimer, the story is on Lamed Gimel in Shabbos. I doubt it's a coincidence, nothing is, but that's where the story is Lamed Gimel, Lamed Beis in Shabbos. And the story of, 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 hit, of, of, a, of a portion of his life that I want to study, that I'd like to study with the Chevra. Diyasvi Reb Yehudav Reb Yosvi Reb Shemin. 
These three tzaddikim, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Shimon, are sitting. The Yosef Yehuda ben Gerim Gabayu. And Yehuda ben Gerim was sitting by them. He was sitting next to them. I'm always gemarous, the, the tire is so exact. It could have said four people were sitting there. It words that three people were sitting and one person was sitting by them. I always try to visualize, I'm a very visual guy. With a th- you say, Rebbe Yashav, Rebbe Moshe, Rebbe Yashav, Rebbe Moshe, Rebbe Shleim Zalman, and Joe Flusker was sitting there. But it's inappropriate to say those four, there's three tzaddikim gemurim, and there's one person who's not the same level. The Gemara is so careful how it speaks. The exactness of Chazal. So it says, Rebbe Yehudu, Rebbe Yosef, Rebbe Shimon were sitting, and Yehudu ben Gerim was by them. I don't know if he was sitting, if we would have seen it, you might have seen four people in a circle. I don't know if it's trying to say he was looking different. Three of them were sitting and he was sitting by them. I just think it's inappropriate to say four people sitting there when you have these three gedolim and Yehuda ben Gerim, who was a Talmud. So it's probably just a way of covet of speaking. It could be they were taka sitting different. They had higher chairs. Could be they were on one side of the table, he was the other. I don't know if they were physically different or it's just the way of speaking that's honorable. So Yehuda ben Gerim is sitting in front of these tzaddikim. Pasach Reb and Rabbi Yehuda starts the conversation and he says, he begins the conversation and he says as follows. It's always important. The idle chatter of tzaddikim, tzaddik Talmud has to be studied. They don't just schmooze randomly. Abacher told me that he saw a video of Rabbi Yashav and Rabbi Chaim Kanievsky. Rabbi Chaim going to visit his father-in-law. At first they're quiet. They don't just like shoot the breeze and talk small talk. They wait till there's a little quiet. Then Rabbi Yashiv says something. The measured words of tzaddikim need to be studied as well. And Rabbi Yehuda at this gathering is Pasach and he says, How precious are the deeds of this nation, meaning Rome. They've made such nice marketplaces. They made bridges. They made bathhouses. How nice is the actions of this nation? What a fine nation. They deserve respect. How nice are their actions? They've done some nice stuff. And he appreciated a little gratitude. They made marketplaces, bridges, and bathhouses. And he gave them Yashakayach for what they've done. Interesting, the three things. I'm very interested. He appreciated marketplaces. Interesting, beautiful stores, super, supermarkets. Like, very impressed. Impressive markets they've created. It's interesting, bridges. The marketplaces that I hear. It's interesting, he was so impressed with bridges. But they've, they've made a world that was so disconnected, they brought connection. I think bridges are cool. People who couldn't reach each other can now go over and, and you can hop on over to a guy in a different place. Bridges amazed him. It's interesting, he was impressed with bridges. And bathhouses. Geschmack of bathhouses, he's impressed. Reb Yaisi Shasak. Reb Yaisi heard it, he was quiet. Didn't have an opinion. He was quiet. Or maybe he had an opinion. It's unclear what the shtika. Was the shtika a shtika kaida? He was quiet because he agreed. Was the shtika a shtika? I don't, didn't, I, I don't agree with you. It's unclear, but Rabbi Yossi was quiet. 
And the great Rav Shurim Bar Yochai, the great Rav Yehuda as well, or Rav Yosef, three great tzaddikim. Rav Shurim Bar Yochai hears this compliment and he's not being quiet. He attacks. And he says, Omar, you're impressed. You're saying, Schar? They did it selfishly. They did it selfishly. They made marketplace just to put Zionists there, to do Averis. Now I have a kasha. Why do you say they did it for Zionists? They made marketplace because they were hungry themselves. They did it selfishly. And that's what he started out as. Rav Sruli started out like they did it selfishly. But then he says they did it for Averis. Why does he stick in they did it for Averis? They did it selfishly. It could be Rav Shemba if they just did it selfishly that you still owe Akar Satayv. Somebody does good for you but did it for himself. Sarah, you only did it for yourself? You got good, Yankiv. Somebody gives us good. Say, well, you just want, if your mother does good for you, well, you just want to feel good yourself because you feel good when I, that's ridiculous. There's only not a if you did it for Averis. If you did it to harm and it turned out good. A man told me last Friday, I went to a bris, and a man told me his son's a huge bentayda. He steigged, he became a serious bentayda in our yeshiva. So the man told me, I called his ex-principal, and I said, you threw my son out of your yeshiva for something he didn't do. Remember that story? My son didn't do it. He said, I want to thank you. You saved his life. Because he came to yeshiva and became a serious bentayda. Thank you for throwing him out. He told me he called the principal. <laughs> that the Oakurs had to the principal for throwing him out. If he was trying to hurt the kid, no. If he wasn't trying to hurt, I don't know the Kavana. I'm not there, but I, I don't know the Kavana. I just don't know. I wasn't, we didn't see it, you and I. But if a guy did it for a bad Kavana, there's no Akurs Hatoiv. So Sarah Shumba Yechai, they made Shukim not because they want to buy stuff. That would be like Shaloy Lashma. They get schar, they get, they get. But he said they did it for bad purposes. He says, Merchatzais, wash houses, La'adun ben Atzman for Idun. Pampering themselves. Things that aren't beseder. They didn't do it stam because they were dirty. If they made bathhouses, not Lishma, it wasn't for me to get clean, it's for them to get clean. You'd still owe Akar Satayv. It was made to do Averis. Geshar and bridges. He doesn't say they made bridges because they wanted to get to the other side. They made bridges, little ben meches, to rob people, to put up tax people that take away money undeservedly from people. So he said they did it with bad intention. There's no schar. That's what Roshim Bar Yechai said. Roshim Bar Yechai all over Shas was very involved in Kabbalah. Reb Shem Bayechai is Torah Sanistar, is hidden Torah, and you'll see many, many shmurs of Reb Bayechai that involved the Kavana, the inner world. Mm-hmm. Reb Yehuda said, look, they did good things. Reb Shem Bayechai says, see the deeper world. You have to go into the Kavana. They had bad intentions. That's the world of Reb Yechai is the Torah, is the world of hidden, of Nistar. So he said their Kavana wasn't good. Halach Yudah ben Yehuda ben Gerim went, and he said over their words. 
he should have been quiet, and he said over this conversation, the Nishmul Malchus, he didn't tell the king, but he told the person who told the person, and the government heard. Amru, the government said, the Roman government said, Yehuda Sha'ila, Yehuda that praised us, Yisale, he'll have an Aliyah. And they made him the Roy Shamidabrim Bechomakim. Whenever there was a Yiddish gathering, Rabbi Yehuda spoke first. The Roman government assured that he was the spokesperson of the Yidden. Since he praised the government, they gave him a strong position. Yaisi Shashasak. Yaisi was silent. Yigla Litzipari has to go into Gullus. He has to be exiled. Silence is not, well, I didn't say anything. You didn't defend. You were disloyal to the government. You didn't defend. It's not enough to be quiet. You didn't defend. Reb Miller, before Yom Kippur, would light letters to the government protesting certain things he deemed as tayeva, disgusting. Somebody asked him, Rebbe, Rebbe, like, your letters to the government, they're going to do anything? They get thrown in the garbage. I don't even know if the government... He would write to the president, to the governor, to the mayor, letters denouncing. He'd spend Erev Yom Kippur. Reb Miller would write these letters, the precious moments before Yom Kippur, and he's writing letters to the government protesting things that he deemed as disgusting. Somebody asked Reb Miller, you're writing these letters, do you think they do anything? Reb Miller said that I'm a loyalist to Hashem, and after 120, I don't want it to be, I was shaisik, I was quiet. The Roman government, from my enemy I get smart, the Roman government punished Reb Yaisi for being quiet. The Yiddish government, the Mamleches Hashem, don't say, I didn't, I didn't say anything. Being quiet's no good. You protest, you stand up. You agree, being quiet is not a solution. And they said, Reb Yaisi, who was Shasak, has to go to Golis. You were quiet. Why didn't you add your approval? Why didn't you say anything? Silence was, you should have said, I agree. You were quiet in the face of this great debate, so then you got a gullus. That's not loyalty. Shimon, Shimon who knocked the government, Shagina, you knocked us, Yahareg, we're killing you. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechai had a death sentence against him, you knocked the government, you're dead. It's amazing. We should be as smart as the Roman government. We would look at it, what do they care, some rabbis, but the power of the word. And a Rav, a Rav, a Talmud Chacham said that they're bad. The Roman government knew that counted, that matters. The Psaq of Rav Shimba Yochai mattered to the Roman government. And they said for issuing such a Psaq, Yahareg were killing him. Azal Hu him and his son went, Tashu Bey Medrasha, and they hid in the base Medrash. They hid in the base Medrash, they hid. Kol his wife would bring him every single day ripsa, some bread, vikuza de maya, and a measurement of water. His wife would feed him and his son, bray, shirmbayachai and his son, and they hid in the base madrash. The karchi, they'd give them some leek, some greenery as well. Kitak if and when the gzeira got heavier, the Romans were circling and they were getting more oppressive to the Eden. And they were searching for Abshim Bayechai to kill him. Amr Lebrei said to his son, Nashim Daitam Kalu. Ladies have a kal, have a, have a soft, have a fluid mind. Dilma Mitzarila, they might torture her. Umigalalan, 
and she'll reveal where we are. I don't know what it means, Nashim Adaitam Kalam, he was more worried about a lady. I have a theory, I don't know if I'm right, I'm curious. I noticed on my wife that she could do many things at once. And I noticed on myself, I only could do one thing at a time. If I'm holding my kid, I can't talk on the phone. If I'm talking on the phone, I can't hold my kid. When I'm driving and then the phone rings, I go to like 10 miles an hour. My kids say, drive. When I hang up, then I, I can't drive and talk. And if I can't do two things at once. And I noticed my wife could be on the phone doing homework with Rina, talking to Yisrael, making supper, all the while like talking to me. Like she's doing like six things. Ladies can balance more things than men. That's what I think. That's what I, my own observation. That's what I've seen. So I wonder what it means, Nashim Daitam Kala, that they're more likely to tell where she's hiding if they're tortured. Avada, they're loyal and they're smart. I think ladies cheshbin more things. If they're torturing her and make threats, we'll kill this one, we'll kill that one if you don't tell us. So she has many thoughts on her mind. Uh-oh, so she might say where they're hiding, exchanging the thought not to tell, well, I'm going to kill a million yidin if you don't say. So she can make cheshbonus. Us men only think one thing. A man would say, I am not telling. <laughs> they're beating him up, they're torturing, he's not telling. They could tell him five million cheshbonus, he's not thinking all the other cheshbonus. A man tunnels in to one thought, I'm not telling so I wonder if that's like what he was nervous about the wife. Daitam Kala is they have a mind that, that has to cheshbin many things. So they could be tortured and in cheshbining many things might reveal. I don't know the pshat. If somebody has a different pshat, I'd be very interested why he said the lady is more likely to reveal under torture. I suspect Hashem designed them that they have to hold more in their heads and cheshbin different things and men have a certain tunnel vision. I do suspect that. I'm not, I'm not positive. That's the word here. So how's, it, how's it help you if he disappears? She won't know where he is. So it's gonna, that's, she's still going to get tortured. No, he wasn't, that doesn't help this way or that way. It won't help. His wife, he davened for, and she was as protected. His point was that we shouldn't get caught. Avada, his wife, he didn't want his wife to get tortured and did with any precaution she shouldn't get tortured. He's just saying if she knows where we're hidden, if they do catch her, she was as protected as him, but it will also mean us getting caught because it's easier with a lady as more cheshbonus. That's what I think. Why did he bring his son? Hmm? Why did he bring his son? It's a very good question. Why was his son hiding him? It was a bomb cash on the store. I love that question. In the story, he has the Xera, and it says him and his son. It says, Azul hu brei tashu be mitrasha. Where did his son come to hiding? His life was under threat. Clearly, it doesn't say in the Gemara, it's a bomb cash. It says Shimon will be killed and his son's hiding. His son was his Talmud and didn't part. The Pashtus is his son. If his Tata hid, he was with his Tata. Tata, I'm with you. Tata, I'm with you. That's the Pashtus. It's, I'm so happy that Maishal Abri pointed that out. Amazing part of the story. Tata, I'm with you. His life's under threat. Let him hide. Tata, I'm not leaving you. Tata, I'm, I'm learning Torah. It's interesting. It says, a Talmud Shagala Maglan Rabbi Imai. Harav Shagala, if a Rebbe goes to Golas, Maglan Yeshiva as Yeshiva comes with him. It says, make him keep him alive. Torah's Kiheim Chayenu. They're threatening to kill us. Doesn't mean we should die now. 
Let's at least live. Rabbi Kiva's taina. Rabbi Kiva taught Tyre Barabim, and the Roman said, we'll kill whoever teaches Tyre. He said, they're threatening death. Doesn't mean I'm going to die. Die, otherwise I'll kill you. <laughs> okay, you might kill me, you might not. I refuse to die. You can't tell me die, otherwise I'll kill you. So Rabbi Kiva kept learning Tyre. Rabbi Shirin Bayechai's son knew his father's life was threatened. Doesn't mean we're going to die now. And for the Mivak Sheyat Tyre, Chayim Heim, it's life. So he kept with his father. He said, I'm learning Torah. Mestama, that's why he was there. He was learning with the Tata. Amazing part of the story that we tend to overlook. Thank you, Maish Bri, for making sure we didn't overlook that. Excellent. Excellent. So the bottom line is, he says, let's go hide in a different place. Azul, they went. They left the base Medrash. It was too dangerous. Tashu b'marata. They hid in a cave. Israchish Nisa and Anais happened, the miracle happened. Ivrilu Hashem created Charuva, a boxer tree, a carob tree, the Eina Demaya, and a wellspring of water. Vavi Mishalchi Manayu, they took off their clothing. Vavi Yasvi Atsavarayu, they sat up to their necks in sand. Their clothing, they didn't have any spare clothing, they didn't want it to get all disgusting. So they sat in the sand till their necks to learn Torah. And they would learn Torah. Kula yaimi garasi. All day they would learn Torah. And be'idin sluyi. And when they prayed, lav shimichsu, they wore their garments, umatzlu, and prayed. I'm very fascinating. I'm fascinated when they learned Torah, they sat in the sand. But for davening, they got dressed. Hadar mashlich minayu. Then they took off the clothing when they finished davening. Kehechid livlu. That their clothing shouldn't get ruined. Fascinating, when they learned, they sat under sand, but for davening, they dressed up, Laman Hashem. Fascinating thing that for prayer, they, they got dressed in clothing. There's a din, Hikon Likras Elekechi Yisrael, you're supposed to get dressed up for prayer. And when they prayed, they got dressed up. It's interesting, when they learned Torah, they took off those garments. Fascinating. It's funny, the Messiah Sisharim says that mitzvahs, and tefillah, l'fnei Hashem. The Messiah Sisharim says that doing a mitzvah is b'china l'fnei Hashem. Us chassidim dress up for mitzvahs. Because mitzvahs are l'fnei Hashem. Torah is Talmud Torah is the greatest mitzvah. So why don't you have to dress up for Torah? A chassidish guy asked Reb Nachum, us chassidim sit and learn in the apats chassidim. They learn with their levush. A chassid sits and learn with the gans levush. With all the garments. And he asked Reb Nachum. Reb Nachum learned Torah. He was rolled up his feet on a hot day. Reb Nachum learned. He was sat in his shirt. And he was learning. He was a rangatan and learning. So Chesidah asked the great Reb Nachum, the Mir Rosh that what do I have? Does Chesidah Shabuchar have more Kavadat Torah than you? I think what he answered Reb Nachum is to you it's a religious activity. To me it's life. I don't get dressed up to live. It's like breathing, Pashat. It's not like out of my life. It's like learning is mamish It's what I do, it's who I am. I can't get dressed up to be me. When I do something, when I like come out of my life, I dress up. It's fascinating in the Gemara, and this needs a study, and I'm not really saying pshat, Rabbi say. It's fascinating, Gemara, Lamed, Gimel, Lamed, Beis, that Roshim, Vayyachai, him and his son, when they prayed, they put on their garments for prayer. And when they learned Torah, they didn't have their garments. Talmud Torah, Keneged Kulam. Torah is the greatest mitzvah. And the mitzvah is Bechina Lufnei Hashem. 
It's in front of Hashem. Fascinating when they learned they didn't have special garments. For davening, they prayed to Hashem. There was like a meeting with Hashem. They put on garments. Fascinating. It needs a pshat. I leave that for the chaver. I leave that for somebody to research. Why was it when they learned Torah, they didn't have special garments? They took off. They sat in the sand. The reason they sat in the sand is they didn't want to learn Torah Shaloi Bikdusha. So the sand was a mafsik between their erva and their lave. That was the sand. But for davening, they wanted to wear hikun likras alikacha Yisrael. When you greet Hashem, you have to have special garments. It is fast, and they learned Torah, they sat in the sand. When they davened, they wore special garments. For 12 years, they sat in this cave. Eliyahu Navi came, become a pischa de marasa, and he stood by the entrance of the cave. Omar, man loidia, he started screaming. Who's gonna tell Bar Yochai the mace Kesar Eliyahu Navi Shlaima? Stood by the front of the cave and started shouting. Who's gonna tell Rav Shmuel that the Caesar died? Ubatul Gzeirasa, and the Caesar died. He's no longer under threat. The Gzeir is done. Nafku said they left. Rabbi say, what is another name for Eliyahu Anavi? What is he called? Eliyahu is the Mivaser. He brings the greatest besur we're going to hear. He's Mivaser. Kol Mivaser, Mivaser, Biyomer. Besura, he brings the good news of Mashiach, Eliyahu Anavi. He is the good news bearer, bringer. Why do he sit at the front of the cave and say, who's going to tell Rav Shem Bar Yechai that he can go out? <clears throat> you tell. <laughs> he didn't think of that. He's like, who's going to tell? And Rav Shem Yechai overheard him say that and said, okay, I guess the Caesar died. And said, and he comes out. I have, why did Elio Anavi talk that way? Elio, you tell. Elio, this is what you do best. You give Basuri. You're a Mivaser Toiv. Elio is a Mivaser Toiv. Vivaser Lonu Basuris Toivis. Yeshua Snachamis. Give good besurais. Elio is the mevaser taiv. So let him bring the good news. We all love bringing good news. You go to Rav Shemra Yechai and you tell him 12 years in torturous condition. Tell him, Rav Shemra Yechai, Mazel Tov. I'd want to give the big hug. Your mom is run over. We used to have in Yeshiva, Rav Ezi Shlita, when a guy became a chassim. To watch that hug, he'd knock the guy over. The guy would walk in, the would come flying. Mazel tov! Bang! He had the tackle of the year. Like, there are no hits on the football field that match that. Knock him over. Mazel tov! Here you run around Shimba Yechai, you knock him over. Mazel tov, you're free! Elio Anavi at the front of the cave. Who's gonna tell Rav Shimba Yechai that the Caesar died? I always feel Friday nights. Before we start Kabbalah Shabbos, so the Olam's talking, it's holy, it's holy. There's a, there's a buzz in the base Medrash. The Olam's greeting Reb Sroli Kader, he's greeting the Hebrew. There's mamish, there's, there's greetings, go, it's holy, it's a holy matzah. Yidna greeting, Yidna are enjoying each other. I always want, we want to start Kabbalah Shabbos, so fellow greeters, we want to greet together Shabbos Kodesh. But it's a beautiful scene, Hashem comes, but He comes with His children. And the Hever is greeting all the children. Hashem came with rightfully, rightfully. Always feel shtikel chutzpah. Shh, Chutzpah to say shah. Hever is greeting each other. I always think we need Elio Anavi to come and say, Who can tell the Elam that it is time? To, uh, 
to have the chutzpah to break it up is a chutzpah. There's holy things going on. It's not so posh, you're like, shah. I'm greeting another yid. Chutzpah to say shah. Chutzpah. The terror says, we have to dam Kabbalah Shabbos. You know, there is a suit, the way that I hear. So you always want to make the announcement. Who can tell the chevra that we do have to greet Shabbos together? You know? We greeted Hashem's children. To say, knock it off, stop greeting Hashem's children. A chutzpah. Shah's a chutzpah is a beautiful. <laughs> this morning, we wanted to start with Yaakov Shweki. Rev Chef saying she in the corner. Right, Fark is here. Right, Shapiro there. Say, they're learning Torah. Rev Sirili is pounding with his chavrusa, with his chaveim, with his talmidim. The Torah says we needed Elio to like stand, say, "Who can tell the chaver that we do have a speaker here?" You can't say chutzpah. What was going on is if Shumba Yechai is learning Torah and steiging and becoming great because of difficulty, it's true the difficulty's over, but there were great things acquired. It's like a chutzpah to say, Shumba Yechai, come out. Nobody had the audacity, the holiest moments. Now, it's a bracha that Tzara ended, but the Tzara became Torah Sanister. It became a gift for all of Klai Yisrael, as we'll see in a few minutes. And nobody could have the chutzpah to say that tzara is over. Even though if Adam, we don't want tzaras, it's a simcha. Come out, the tzara is over. But there's a respect for what went on. It's not, he didn't come, Elio Anavi was waiting for good besuras. Didn't say, mazel tov, ah, l'chaim. There's a l'chaim and you're allowed to make a l'chaim. But there's also respect for difficulty. There's a respect and he says... Who can tell him? Who, who can be big enough? Man, idea. Do you know anybody big enough to tell him that he can come out? I don't. That's what Yonavi really said. Who can t- That's how he broke the news to Hashem and Yechai. Man, idea. Who is the one who can let him know? Who's big enough to end this holy of Tkufas? Where Hashem and Yechai grew through Yisurim, through difficult. Man, idea. Is there anybody alive who has the chutzpah to say, Shah? I ask Michiel, I'm giving such a poor muscle, but I need to give something that's emotional. I want you to connect to this line because I like it. I, th- th- this is a, there's a press to muscle. I, I ask Michiel, I just, we used to have a guy in Yeshiva who, who ran the sports, a wonderful person. And he played for me and my boys, me and Michiel and the rest of the Hevra. There was a coach in, the, in, the, in college basketball, Jimmy Valvano. He was a coach. Jimmy Valvano was asked to deliver a speech for the ESPYs. He's delivering some speech right before he died. He had well into cancer, and his body was ravaged. Most of him was in the grave already. He had a few, he lived a few more months. And he was delivering a speech, a very nice speech, encouraging Goyim to live life, be it the family, laughter. He was encouraging positive behavior. And he's speaking. And he's going on, he had, let's say, 10 minutes, 12 minutes to give his speech. And he's gone on over 15 minutes. And in the back, you, you, you just, in the middle of his speech, whoever's seen this, it's like delightful. I picture Lahavdil, infinite Abdullah, this Elio Anavi. In the middle of his speech, he starts chuckling. And like, you don't know why, it's like emotional. There's not a dry eye in the crowd. You're crying when you hear his speech. Very powerful speech. And then he just starts laughing. What's so funny, Jimmy? He's, <laughs> he goes like laughing. What's so funny? 
He's like, buddy, he's an Italian, he's, but he says the guy in the back, he says, buddy, there clearly was somebody in the back waving Jimmy V that he has to end. The speech, like they need to go to a commercial and his speech slide is over. <laughs> he starts laughing his head off. He's like, buddy. He said, I'm dying at X amount of time. Do you think I'm listening to you? I, you're wa- I, I see you're waving. I'm not coming down from here. I'm going to say what I want to say. <laughs> He laughs like the guy's like waving. He's like, you can wave all day long. I will stand there and say everything I want to say. I'm not here much longer, he says to the guy. He says, you have some type of chutzpah, he tells him. Does you have some chutzpah. Like you try to wave me down. So I always picture that guy didn't get a Yohanavi. Like who is the mechotzev who's telling Jimmy V. Lahavdil, infinite Abdullahs. We're talking about greats. This is... I asked Mechila that I gave such a simple mushal, but the visual was very good. Like, who's the Mechotzev? He's giving, like, the speech of a lifetime. Like, right before he dies, he's giving the message. Somebody, like, who's the Mechotzev? Like, points to the clock. <laughs> Who'd they commit? I'm so curious, Martchowis. If you're ever anywhere, if anybody, I want to meet the guy. What a Mechotzev, Geschmack, a guy. <laughs> I want to meet the guy who had the audacity. He was talking, pointing at his clock to him. He's, I, he's just a cool guy. I need to meet him. If any of you ever meet a guy and he says he's the guy who was pointing at his clock to Jimmy V, give him a hug for me. Tell him he's one of the coolest. You're the biggest mechutz I've ever met in my life. Like, azam am So that's mamish, lahavdil, infinite abdullahs, that nobody would tell a guy who's giving the last speech of his life. And you wouldn't have the audacity to start pointing to your clock on, <clears throat> like <laughs> coughing and pointing to your clock. So Lahavdil, Eliyahu Navi passes by Roshim Ben Yechai, steiging amidst difficulty. He doesn't have the chutzpah. Gam, there's a besurah toivir, and we're human, and we want good tidings, and we're allowed to be happy with good tidings, and we don't say in many ways, we don't say, I'm so sorry, it's over, we're human, and allowed to be human, and supposed to be human. But still, Eliyahu Navi says, who has the audacity? Man Who can possibly have the chutzpah to go to Yeshua B'Yechai and say, you're free? <laughs> what Kedusha was in there? Say, that's the reason, so how come later it's about like, tells him to go out? It's a great kasha. I love that. I love that. I fact, why didn't somebody have the job? Later on, nobody's... I could be just Elio taught us this. Later on, only a baskal frees him. Nobody's even sent. I always tiny fakert that the Shechina himself had to say it. When he goes back in, nobody comes. I think a Malach was sent, Elio Anavi was sent, showing that nobody can say it. Man, idea. The next time nobody even comes, it was delivered. The message was that nobody could tell him. But it's true. It's true. But it fascinates me that it's a baskal. Nobody sent. <laughs> so I, the first time was the lesson, man loidea. The second one, there isn't. You're right. Nobody could tell him. Only Hashem alone. Maybe, maybe the reason is that they didn't want to tell him to go out if he knew he was going to end up killing people and burning them up. Later, I hear, I hear the pshat. I hear the pshat. I'm not. I always thought this pshat. Rav's really saying there could be another pshat. He's being a rai. You see, the second time, Chaim's the friend shamed the first and second time. Chaim says the first time he wasn't. He, he was supposed to be in there. The second time was only a shtickle even einish. He went back. Things were happening. So the second times together in einish, it could be different. The bottom line is nafku. Nafku he comes out with Shemvar Yechai and his son. Chazu inshi the kokar the He sees people threshing. 
He sees people that they're plowing and planting, and he gets upset. I'm gonna, I'm gonna skip up because it is getting late. I want to skip some of the Gemara. I want to get to this. I want to get to this point. Shama Reb Pinchas Ben I skip many lines of the Gemara, though I advise you to learn the whole Gemara. Maybe we'll get more of it, maybe on, on, on Lag Boimer. Shama Reb Pinchas Ben I'm always nervous. I keep saying Lag Boimer. I don't want to mess up my count. It's by day. Today, Rabbi Yisai is the 31st day of the Oimer. It's 31st. Four weeks and three days. Keep in mind, oh, people always get confused. That means we're in the middle of the fifth week. When you say four weeks, three days, we're three days of the fifth week. Because you get confused. Um, Lag Ba'imer is the fifth of the fifth. Lag Ba'imer is the fifth of the fifth week. You say fifth week, it's four weeks and five days. Five days of the fifth week. Because it's Haid Sheba beauty of beauty. Lag Ba'imer is the day of Spitz beauty. Rabbi Shirbai death is the day of Spitz beauty. Haid Sheba beauty of beauty. We'll explain in a minute. Shama Repinchas ben Yair. Repinchas ben Yair chasne, his father-in-law. His father-in-law heard, v'nafak la'ape, and went to greet him. His father-in-law heard that the son-in-law is freed. And his father-in-law went to greet him. Aile l'beibani. They brought him to the bathhouse. He had been 12 years in a cave. They brought him to clean off. Havikarach le'lebisrei. And his father-in-law was combing his skin, was straightening out, not combing, straightening out his skin. His body was full of all different pains and bruises. And his father-in-law was straightening out his skin. They had washed him off. Chazi saw the Habiba Pili Bigufe. He had cracks in his body. He had sat in the sand for 12 years. His body was racked with cracks. Habi Kabachi, his father-in-law was crying. And the, uh, the tears of his eyes were coming down. It was causing him to scream. Rav Shem ben Yechai was screaming, Ow! Ow! He was screaming. Omar lay. So his father-in-law, Rav Pinchas ben Yoyer, said, Oy lay, woe unto me, Woe unto me that I see you so beaten. I see your body so ravaged with bruises and pain. Woe unto me that I see you. Omar lay. Rav Shemba Yechai says words, and this is, we'll make a whole concert tomorrow night and celebrate for a few days straight on these words. Rav Shemba Yechai says to his father-in-law, Ashrecha, you're fortunate. Ashrecha, you're fortunate. There's no exaggerations here. Ashrecha, you are fortunate. That you see my pains. You're lucky you see my pains. If not for the pains, you see the pain. Who I am. What I become is from these pains. Not despite, from these pains is everything I became. You are staring at the vehicle of my greatness. You are staring at that which produced me. Ashrecha, you're looking at the car that drove me to great heights. That which caused my elevation. That which caused me to become so close to Hashem. You are staring at my greatness. You're staring at my greatness. 
Ashrecha, you're lucky to say it. Demei Kara, before I went into the cave, when I would ask a question, his father-in-law had 12 answers. When he came out from those 12 years, and then the extra one, when his father-in-law would ask a kasha, Reb Shem Ben Yechai had 24 answers. He grew exponentially. Originally, Reb Pinchas Ben Yair had 12 answers for every kasha. Some level of 12 times greater, whatever that is expressing. And after these years in the cave, I'm 24 for all his questions. I have 24 answers. I've made up the 12 answer deficit and have a 24 answer superior. His questions, I have 24 answers to his questions. And all this rise, all this gain, this life-altering gain is because of the difficulty. That is what Rosh Ben Yechei responds to his father-in-law. I want to, um, there's, there's more to the story after. After there's more to the story to learn from. I skipped a few lines and there's tremendous to learn from. But I want to focus on that line, that he says, you're fortunate to see the difficulty. The difficulty became my greatness. You're fortunate to see me that way. I want to read the Tevra, a line from the eulogy of Roshim ben Yechai that's become like the rallying cry of our yeshiva. Aryeh Barnett wrote a song, a gorgeous song that's an important song to me. And in that song, he, he sings. He sings these words. And this became and is a rallying cry in our yeshiva. If you want to find, we'll pass around the siddur so a few people can sing it for us. But if you want to see the Bar Yechai, some people have the minute to sing it every Friday night. They sing Bar Yechai. And it's printed in the Sidurim during the Friday nights, Miras on page 167. And it says there, and please memorize this, it's the second verse, the second verse, page 167, it's the second verse of the eulogy on Rav Shem Ben Yechai. And it says like this, Bar Yechai, the son of Rav Shem, Bar Yechai, the son of Yechai, Maishav Toiv Yashavta, you had a very good dwelling place. Now, nobody would see that cave as a very nice. It was neither fancy nor nice. It was painful and difficult. But nonetheless, in the eulogy, Arashim Ben Yechai, celebrating his life and his accomplishments, says, Maishav Toiv Yashavta, you stayed in a very good place. Yoim Nasta, the day you ran away, Yoim Asher Barachta, the day you ran away. Now, I just want to say that double lushen. What's the double lushen? The day you ran away, the day you ran away. Now, songs allowed to be repetitious, but it's not repetitious at all, because I looked up the Mepharshim. What's the difference between Nas and Barach? Both mean run away. How do I know they don't mean the same thing? Because they're not really different letters. If they meant the same thing, they have the same letters. Thank you for knowing that, Chansi. It by its nature, if there are two ways of saying something, they have to be different. If they were the same, they'd be the same letters. So what's them seeing? Nas and Barach. 
What's the difference, Hever, between Nas and Barach? Nas is to run away, but nobody's chasing you. You can run from Xera, something's dangerous, you run, but nobody's chasing you. To be Barach is to run away from a chaser. Somebody's chasing. So the double Lashen is he hid twice. The first time, they said they'll kill him, he ran away, nobody was chasing him. But then he went to a worse place, to the cave. It was Barach, they would talk of Alexeira, they were mamish hot on his tails. So then he was Yoim Asher Barachta. So that's why it says Yoim Nasta, the day you first hid, you were running, but Yoim Asher Barachta, that day that the Xeira got worse and they were chasing you, mamish, and you were Barach. In the rock cave that you stayed, there, there, precisely there, not despite there. In that rock cave that you stayed, and we all have our version of our rock cave. We all have got rock caves in our lives. Difficult spots and places and periods and times. We all have, it's a world of Nisyanus, a beautiful world. But we all have a rock cave. And he says that you think it's a rotten place to be. Bar Yechai Moshe, we learned your lesson. You taught us this. You taught us this. Ashrecha, Sheri Sani Bekach. And in his eulogy, amazing, the best eulogy is you take your Rebbe's share and use it to explain him. Everybody knows that's the best eulogy of the Rebbe. Use his words to explain him. Reb Shem you taught us that that you were in a good place. You taught us that the day you ran away, the day the Xera got worse. In that rock cave that you stayed, there precisely you acquired your beauty. Your beauty, the gorgeous person you became, specifically was acquired through the difficulty. Challenge turned and developed a person. They're, 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 it's beyond, I don't know Kabbalah, I don't know fully what it is. And Kabbalah is not, let's get a little deeper. Difficulty points a person deeper. Forces a person to understand more. Forces a person to look more, see more. And Bar Yoichai, in that difficult matzib, you got so beautiful and precious. You uncovered your beauty. In that rock cave that you stayed, Sham, precisely there, you acquired your beauty. And there's a whole eulogy of Bar Yechai. I want to start on this, the 31st day, that I'm here, with two days yet to his yard site. But I want to, so I'm going to ask Jonathan to come next to me. Sham Kanisa, we do three times minimum. If you do ten times, you're better off. We do it again and again. Sham Kanisa, three times will work. But let's get started. The echo of his eulogy. Let's get started. Bar Yechai, my chef tell you.
Let's go, let's go. Beautiful, beautiful. Let's hear Chaim Tzvi, Chaim Tzvi, let's go. Moshev Tov, let's go. I'm saving, I'm saving. <laughs> wow, wow. Okay, we're getting there. We're getting this initial approach. We're just, just warming up. But this, it's always the coolest. You say a eulogy for somebody to use his lessons, his life, to define him, his own share. This part of the eulogy, the whole eulogy is incredible. But this part of the eulogy that he himself taught us, of course, those that anointed you, Ashrecha. 
Those that anointed you are fortunate. Us, Klal Yisrael, who recognize you are fortunate. And we're fortunate that we recognize your beauty comes, Maishav Tayv Yashavta, from that fine place you live. Very few people would identify that cave as a fine place. We have the eyes to see because we learned from Shem Yechai himself who said, Ashrecha Sharisani Bikach. The difficulty caused my greatness. Without that difficulty, all the steiging I did would not have occurred in me. Life has challenges. Life has challenges. Turn them into steiging. Turn them into advancement. There's anxiety. There's uncertainty. Turn it into faith. There is all different types of, of, of uncertain different type of maras surim that all of us find ourselves precisely there, Sham Kanisa, over there you acquire your beauty, the special beauty that exists. So this rallying cry of Shirin Yechai that he taught us all one of the great lessons of his life. I want to close today, and I do this yearly, I want to tell you the story. We're going to sing his eulogy now for a few days, so I want to close with a story for you. And we'll end with this story. I don't want to... Rev. Aaron David heard, heard, said this story. I don't want to, I, I have to get it, you have to get it exact. You can't exaggerate, Nekudais. It's, the story is written. I hope I'm saying it exact. I'm trying to give it over precisely like I heard it. This eulogy of Rav Shem Yechai that all of Klal Yisrael sings. All of us, it's like, Kol Tfutzais Yisrael sings this eulogy. Who wrote this eulogy of Rav Yechai so I want to tell you the story because there's a great lesson and we'll close today with the lesson of the eulogy and then we'll sing the eulogy for a few days straight of Adab. Be'ez Hashem, we'll, we'll try to grab on to this eulogy. As do you know who wrote the eulogy? is a Yid, Reb Shimon Ibn Levi. Shloyme, could you say Shloyme Tobal? Could you say Reb Shimon Ibn Levi? Beautiful. What does Ibn mean? The son of... The Ibn Ezra means he was the son of Ezra. Ibn means the son of. So Reb Shimon Ibn, Ibn Levi wrote the eulogy. Who was Reb Shimon Ibn Levi? So I was hoping you'd ask me that, Zevi. So allow me to tell you who he was. Let me tell you the story, Nachi, Reb Shimon Ibn Levi. Reb Shimon Ibn Levi loved the Zayar. He loved the Zayar. And his dream, his dream was to retire. He was a teacher. He was a teacher in, now I'm forgetting where, Morocco? I'm forgetting where, that was, he, he, went, to, he went to Tripoli on the way, but he was from maybe Morocco, I don't remember where. I apologize, I really with the story. He was a teacher of Tyra, he was a Melamed Tanaikas, he taught children. Holy precious people teach children. The holy of the holies. The guy who teaches children, my first grade Rebbe, bless his soul, he should live Arichas with good health, with Nachas and his children and Talmidim, from the holiest of holy. It says Morocco? Morocco, I believe it was Morocco. Shreb Shimon and Malavi was a Malamit Tanaikis in Morocco. To teach children is the holiest of the holiest. If you think of the value of a good third grade Rebbe, your kid is so vulnerable. The third grader goes to class. He's like, they're open. Their souls are open. And the Rebbe is gentle, kind, loving. Give over beautiful Tyra who's gentle with the children is worth 
respect a melamed tenaikas is from the holy of the holies to teach children what a career what a career to teach children really very holy holy people melamed tenaikas people are in their 50s 60s some people remember that loving rebbe some people unfortunately forget but the impact say over i need some names give me give me give me Chaim Tzvi, you start. I'm going around the room. I need a name. Say it, Yishmak, that Rebbe that I'm talking about. Who first, second, third, fourth, or fifth? Rabbi Singer. That Rebbe, Rabbi Singer. I love you, right? Singer. Say your name, say your name, Chaim Tzvi, any name. Reb Benziner. Martcha. Rabbi Ketei. Chaim Tzvi, that Rebbe. Rabbi Harbital, good one. Aaron, that Rebbe. Rabbi Right, gold. Nachi, that Rebbe, that Rebbe we're talking about. That Rebbe, that I'm getting, getting back to. Nafti, that Rebbe. When you, right, Poulton. Martin. Right, Mendel. Thank you. I'm sorry you said right, Mendel. Thank you. I love you, Martha. Right, Mendel. I want to say it again. Right, Mendel. First grade. That Rebbe, Johnny, that Rebbe. Maishi, that Rebbe, that Rebbe. Right, Selengar. That Rebbe. What? The Rebbe, when you were younger, the beautiful, took all the vulnerable kids and made Tyra happy, delicious, delightful, that Rebbe. Say his name lovingly. Martha, say the Rebbe's name. Martha. Um, Yankov, say the name, that Rebbe. Ezzy, that Rebbe. <laughs> what grade? Excellent, excellent. Aaron, that Rebbe, that Rebbe. Zellinger, beautiful. Shimmy, that Rebbe, that Shimla. Rabbi, what? Rabbi? Excellent. Rabbi Maccabee. Excellent, excellent. Martha, that Rebbe. Yosef. Rabbi Schoenfeld. Rabbi Lieb. I have Lieb for him. Love him. Martha? Rabbi Blumenfeld. These, what? Blumenfrucht, he deserved his name right, Blumenfrucht. He should get his name right. He should live Arichas Yom and Vishanim and continue to teach Torah for years and years. Beautiful, they deserve their names. We should put it out, social media broadcast, every Mishagas. We should just put all over social media, these people, their names, Zevi's. Oh, beautiful. Right, what grade, what grade? What grade? Mendy, give us the Rebbe's name. Oh, okay, okay, right. Potash. Avad the pre one a Rebbe, beautiful. Zevi, give us that name, that Rebbe. Rabbi? Oh, wow, wow. Right, Majeski, Mosh, give us that Rebbe. Right, Lieb, right, Lieb got two. Everybody should know Rabbi Lieb, who's a beautiful Rebbe who teaches children. Do you hear this? He has it, teaches children with a smile. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Anybody knows him, Yechiel Schoenschlitt, he played in our basketball league. When you see him give him two hugs, he teaches children. And he teaches with a smile, and he gives over Abbas Atayr, Abbas Yisrael, Abbas Hashem. Mayor, give me that Rebbe, that Rebbe. Rabbi Wiener, what grade? Fourth grade, beautiful, Rabbi Wiener, Shlita. Ezra, give me the Rebbe, Ezra. Where Halbertal got two of them. Excellent. And he got Chaim and Ezra, no less. Bless his soul. Bless his soul. Rabbi Saidat, Rebbe, the, 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 the Malamitanagas. Ketzer. Rabbi Shimon Ibn Levi taught children for years. And he was, he was that Rebbe. He was Reb Lieb, Reb Potash, Reb Harbertal. This is what, Reb Blumenfrucht. Rabbi Shimon Ibn Levi was that Rebbe. 
So Shimon Malevi is teaching Torah for years, and he has a dream. He loves Torah Sanister, he loves Kabbalah, and he wants to learn Zayar and Meirain, right by the kever of Shimon ben Yochai, that's his lifelong dream. Comes the day he sa- saves up, and he retires, and he's moving to Yerushalayim. It's funny that Unzil Lubavitcher Rebbe, he didn't like people to say the word retire. He held that was a dirty word. Like you retire, you're waiting for death. He said you could switch careers. So he wasn't retiring, he was becoming a younger man to learn this day. Retire is a dirty word. The Rebbe, there was no joke, he was retiring. Like you're lying down now, you're retiring for the night. You're alive, you're working hard. He didn't let anybody retire, no such thing. He didn't let somebody stop one job till the next day. I don't want to hear you, this day you stopped, and I'll, I'll, I'll see, no, no, no. You didn't stop one job till the Kailal, you could switch from being a CEO of a company to go to Kailal, but the next day you better be in Kailal. The next morning, there was no, the word retire is a dirty word. I was happy that special year came, that Zippel told us, they didn't like the word Kirov, I don't want to say it, Kirov Re. He didn't want to say that word, he didn't want that word. I was, he said, nobody's Rachai. He didn't like that word. You're far. He's far. I'm far. We're all close. It was beautiful. He didn't let people say that word. It was beautiful. So Shimonim and Levi was switching careers. He finished teaching children and he's now traveling to Meirain. From Morocco to Meirain to go learn Torah Sanistar by the Kever of Shimon ben Yechei. On the way, he's a long, crazy journey. He's in Tripoli. And he's going to stay in Tripoli for a few weeks, gather his strength to make the last part of the trip to Meirain. In Tripoli, they didn't have a teacher of children. And while he's there, he agreed to teach the children. He's, the, he's, he's Reb Lumenfrucht. He's that he's Reb Lieb. He's that Rebbe. He's Reb Halbertal. He's that Tzaddik. So he decides, he's te- they, they, he, he teaches the kids. They tell him in Tripoli, the capital of... Libya, bless your soul. They tell him in the capital of Libya that we need somebody like you. You can't leave us. I beg you to stay. And he's confronted with the challenge of his life. He had taught the kids they were learning. He, he brought life. He's going to leave. And he, he didn't quit. He didn't retire from Morocco to move to Tripoli. He wanted to go to Meirin. And he has the challenge of his life. They beg him and plead with him, stay in Tripoli. Dream, his dream. Kids need to learn Torah. They haven't had a Rebbe like you. He spent the rest of his life teaching Torah in Tripoli. And this man wrote the eulogy for Hashem Bayechai that all the world sings. Hashem let him be bound up with he we love. But he has a great story, and it's really all the story of all our lives. We all are on the way to Meron to learn Kabbalah. And we all have dreams, what we want to do, but can you teach the kids in Tripoli? It's the story of all our lives, my friend. On the way to Meirin, can you stop? And Hashem wants you to teach Tyre in Tripoli. Many, many people can't help it and continue on to Meirin. And this year who wrote the eulogy of Shem Ben Yechai that's sung by all the world. And forever he's bound to the Rebbe he loved because he had the ability to stop in Tripoli and teach Tyre there. Have an outstanding day. Let's learn second.